Coming up in this episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. You know, and sometimes you do get your kids who thrive in an environment where they can, where they sit down and just want to do worksheets, you know, and then when you ask them to go play, it's something that feels a little foreign to them. And then you've got their kids who would go crazy in a, in a playroom for months and months and months. This is where they thrive, you know, or not go crazy, but you know what I mean? They would love it. They would thrive in it. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so it just, it really does depend for me on, on a lot of factors. Are you new to fatherhood? Not sure if you're dadding to your full potential? Well, you've come to the right place. Most dads aren't talking to each other about their lives as dads. Like it's some kind of secret. Well, this is the podcast that takes the secret out of fatherhood. This is Not So Secret Dad's Business. G'day, g'day, and welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. So this week, Judge has been on vacation, and I've been flat out, so we decided to take just a week off from recording, and so I'm bringing you another guest episode today. So today's guest is from Texas, actually. Her name is Laura Orr. She is a, a mother and a play therapist, family and marriage therapist as well, and she's also a podcaster as many of my guests that I've spoken to in the past are. So Laura does her podcast with her friend Cara, who is a voice actor. Uh, The show is called Should They Watch It? The podcast basically is all about checking out kids' shows and sort of reviewing them for the parents to sort of help parents pre-screen in a way and make the judgment call on whether a particular show is suitable for their kids. So we talk a little bit about that. And we also get into what play therapy is and how it's effective for kids and the difference between the kind of tactics that they use throughout play therapy, whether it be directive or non-directive, which Laura actually covers a little bit in this episode and, and just sort of explains the differences between. So with that said, let's get on with today's episode with podcaster and play therapist Laura Orr. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show with me and having a chat. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Nate. No problem. So the reason I reached out to you is because I stumbled across your podcast with with Cara Edwards. Uh, Now, your podcast is called Should They Watch It? Now, the reason I started listening was because I thought it was such an intriguing idea to have like a review podcast for kids shows but aimed at adults, aimed at parents. So what was, what was the idea behind doing something like that? You know, really it was, it was just that. Um, I met Kara through our kids actually. And um, I knew that she had a background in voice acting and um, she's, she's been a voice actor for over 20 years. Um, So she's, you know, she's been in Dragon Ball Z and all kinds of fun projects and, Um, we just, you know, connected on naturally and our kids, you know, they love each other as well. And so 
you know, and the more you listen to the podcast, you'll kind of, you'll hear us, you know, talk about our childhood. And I was one of those couch potato kids who just loved to watch all kinds of TV shows. And at that time, like in the nineties, I don't think parents were super concerned about the content that their kids were watching. And so I was, you know, I was watching all kinds of stuff. Um, (laughs) um, And, and uh, my parents were none the wiser and I could probably quote some really you know, crazy stuff from movies that I probably should not have been watching when I was five. I think I mentioned it on the show that my first uh, introduction to horror movies was at nine when I watched Pet Cemetery. So I was a little desensitized <laughs> to stuff like that growing up. And, um, and I noticed, you know, that I know a lot has changed, obviously, since we were kids. Uh, I think TV shows are being held or pr- TV production companies are being held uh, to a higher standard. There's a lot more accountability now, but there are still topics in television shows that can, that can raise concern or that can be concerning for parents. And so just as somebody who, with a background in play therapy, um, as a mental health provider and a mom and somebody who loves television, um, it just kind of was something that came up for me, an idea to provide a service to people who are maybe might be a little bit too busy to do the work themselves at times mm-hmm. where they can listen to us talk about a TV show that's popular or trending or whatever, and just get a little bit of information from us about what we think um, is fun about a show or potentially problematic about a show, and then kind of decide for themselves if they think that's something that they want their kids to listen to or to watch. Sometimes we do shows and movies. It just kind of depends on what, what's popular at the time or what's catching our attention or our kids' attention. Yeah, well, I think you did a really good a good run around Christmas time when you were doing the Christmas movies, and I thought it was great that you covered Home Alone because, again, like it's a great kids movie, but on the other hand, it can be rather problematic as well. And so the the approach that you guys took on that I thought was really well done, and I think what makes your show so good is the fact that, and I should have mentioned this earlier, the fact that you're a, a marriage family therapist and a play therapist Mm -hmm. on one hand and then you've got Cara on the other hand who is in the entertainment industry you've got a good balance on 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 things and you can sort of tackle things from two different angles and cover the whole scope yeah and that was that was the goal I think that was kind of the magic combination that excited us when we were talking about starting this podcast was that we were going to be able to come from two different perspectives that were both pertinent and important. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that was, um, that was really, yeah, that was the magic really, really it was. Yeah. Yeah. Home alone, right. Home alone, man. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know who's a bigger pain in the butt, really Kevin or his family. They're all just kind of mean to each other. And (laughs) it was funny because, um, the thing that, really caught my attention as an adult was how much kids my age idolized Kevin. Um, Cause it came out at the exact same time. I mean, the perfect time for my peers. And so we were all just quoting him and, you know, talking about all the violent moments in the movie. I mean, we idolized that show. And so it was a really fun movie to talk about as adults, you know, the things that we appreciated and the things that maybe we would want to, um, you know, be more mindful of. And, And that's another thing we don't tell a lot of times we 
you know, we, the show is called, should they watch it? The podcast is, should they watch it? And so we do provide an opinion of, you know, whether or not we think a, a kid should watch this show or movie. Um, but at the same time, knowing that that's really our opinion and that's kind of based on, you know, what we would do in our own home and that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean if you, you know, hear us give our opinion, we say no, and then you go off and do it. That is not any reflection of, of anyone else as a parent. It's just what we would, you know, what we would do in our own home. And we had a lot to say about home alone, but that didn't, you know, my kids were still watching it during Christmas. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just something that you can bring up during the movie, um, as a point of conversation so that kids realize, you know, maybe don't throw a paint can at someone's head, you know, that probably would kill them. Things like that, you know, yeah, not hurt. Yeah. And look, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> right. Because I mean, even my son, after he first saw home alone, he started getting the, the rope off the tether ball and, and stuff like that and hanging it off the banister. And next thing you know, you're walking up the stairs and the tether ball just drops from the top landing. And, no. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Dad, these are my traps. It's to catch the bad guys. I'm like, all right, home alone. Here mm. we go. Here we go. Here we go. I know. I know. It's such a fun movie and it's hilarious. I do, it does not surprise me at all that kids are recreating that at home. At, not in one bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was doing the same with the micro machines and everything as a kid as well. So you know, doing the booby trap. So I can't exactly tell him off because I was doing the same thing when it, when I was a kid as well. Yeah, it's influential. And that's that's kind of the place that we were coming from when we decided to do the podcast is that we, we understand that media can influence kids. Um, you know, it's not going to change their DNA and who they are as people, really. Uh, at least that's my, my thought on the matter. But it can influence how they view the world or how they feel like they could approach problems or challenges or friends, parents. I mean, there there are ways that they can influence kids. And so just to to know and be aware of that, I think, you know, is a resource to parents. Mm-hmm. And and the the other good thing I think you've got you've got going with your podcast is the fact that uh, with a lot of kids shows, before you really get to know what the show's about or or anything like that, usually the kid's already attached to it. So once you've gone, mm-hmm. oh, look, we can't be watching this, well, then you've got a whole yeah. handful on your hands trying to sort of talk this kid down, going, hey, look, it's really not appropriate. Yeah. If, if, if parents stop and listen to your show, they can hear what you've had to say about it and go and check it out for themselves and make that call themselves before the kids even have even started watching and getting that attachment to it. Absolutely. That's such a good point. Is that something, you know, from personal experience, Nate? <laughs> oh, Peppa Pig is, is like the death of me. Caillou, we have not had an issue with in my house, but it's definitely one that I will not tolerate. Uh, my son loves YouTube and for a while there he was watching Ryan's World. And so that one's banned in our house as well because you know, this kid, he's, he's always telling, bossing his parents around. It's, of mm-hmm. course, it's, it's, it's based around playtime, but he's like, okay, let's do this. And now we're going to do that. And my son started getting this attitude of, all right, and he's starting to call the shots. So, no, nah, we're not watching this one anymore. 
So then, yeah, we had the battle of having a try. No, look, this is not acceptable. You're not watching it. Turn it off. And all the tantrums that come with it. Yes. Oh, I know. It's like you're, you're like breaking their heart or something. I know. And it's interesting that you mentioned a couple of shows that are on PBS too, right? Because I feel like at least, um, you know, the people I know, PBS is like the trusted source of TV. It is, it is the place where you could, you know, send your kid and, and not have to worry at all. And then Caillou comes on and you're like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> this is a disaster. I know we are going to review that one eventually. I think that's a matter of just like having the, um, the tolerance to sit through. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a hard one. It's, it's just half an hour of whining in my opinion, but yeah. Yeah. I think you would, I think some people would agree with you on that it is kind of whining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course the, re- the one review I did love that you did was obviously Bluey. Bluey's a great show. Um, in fact, we've been watching a lot of it lately with our son. And on one hand, it's touching and it's a lovely show. And on the other hand, we feel like crappy parents because we're like, look at Bandit and Chili. You know, why aren't I doing yep. that? I should be doing that. Boundless energy they have. Yeah. <laughs> tons of energy. I know. We talk about that on the podcast as well about how, uh, and, you know, we actually, uh, an episode, uh, we dropped one for Daniel Tiger and it, the, the same issue is, is with Daniel Tiger that we noticed with Bluey is that the adults on the show are so, you know, quote unquote, perfect. You know, mm-hmm. they always have, it seems like they always have the answer or they have like, you, you know, boundless amounts of energy to be able to play with their kids. And, you know, they, they, they're just this, this perfect parent. Yep. That feels almost impossible to, um, to, to live up to really. Yep. Yeah. So it's like this, it's like the curse of perfection, really create this show. And now people can't, you know, people can't live up to it and it becomes frustrating. <laughs> I look, I, I, I will tell you though, like Bandit has, has been doing some great parenting in my house because I have zero filter. You know, <laughs> I'll, I will F and curse and blind all day. But, uh, you know, <laughs> over Christmas, one day something's gone wrong. And from the other room, I just said, ah, oh, biscuits. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Bluey. At least you're <laughs> That's not swearing. That's adorable. I love that. Yeah, Bluey is a, is a cherished, cherished show at the house and at the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we love it too. We love it too. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about, play therapy because this is why I had you on the show I heard that you're a play therapist and I was like okay obviously kids can communicate through play but that's not something that most adults will pick up on so can you tell me a little bit about what's involved with what you do there oh well where do I start well so play therapy is something that's been around for a while now um Freud was actually the first to publish like a documented case where play was used and that was about in the early 1900s. But I, I think that it really started becoming more popular in the early, uh, maybe 1950s, 1960s, when psychologists started using play in their therapeutic practice. And I think since then it's just grown because the reason behind it being at least the way I see it is that kids their brains obviously are not fully developed. And so they don't have the same tools that adults have to communicate uh, 
what's bothering them or to process some of the, um, you know, the experiences that they've gone through the same way that adults do. And so play therapy provides a space for kids to basically use imagination, creativity, things like that, uh, to work through some of these problems that they're having, or to at least communicate in a way that they understand, you know, what's going on with them or the feelings that they might be having. Yeah, fair enough. No, that makes total sense. That's one thing I've had to learn is, is that I have to sort of put myself in my son's shoes when he's mm-hmm. having a meltdown or whatever, because it's really, it, it is really easy to sort of overlook the fact that children don't have those tools to communicate mm-hmm. and get their message across. And quite yeah. often, you know, a, a child will have a tantrum and it's it's not because they're acting up or anything like that. It's just they're so frustrated. They they know the message they want to get across, but they can't put it across. And so play therapy, I think, is a great, great outlet for that, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, kids also don't have the strongest affect tolerance skills you know so when we get mad i mean we can we could be violent we could scream and cry and do all of these things but we see that more in kids and they also have a really hard time to regulate their emotions and and you know on their own and so it's just they're just very different humans than we are really and and because of it that difference i think sometimes we can it can be hard for us as parents to know what to do in those moments when our kids are having, you know, a tantrum. I think we try to, a lot of times approach it with logic, right? Like you, I know you want that cookie, but you haven't had dinner yet and they don't care. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not something that is interesting for them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and so they're still frustrated. And then maybe you turn to, then maybe you as a parent might start feeling frustrated because your kid is frustrated. Right. And so now it turns into, you know, anger or, or, and and we're all guilty of it, myself included, you know, maybe threats. Like if you don't stop now, you have to go upstairs or, you know, you have no reason to be mad or we start invalidating, you know, just, Mm -hmm. you know, and it comes from a place of wanting to teach. And, um, and, and I think it, a lot of times comes from a place of just kind of feeling like we don't know what to do. And so we just kind of, do what comes first in our brain because now our brain is overworked. And, and so it, 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 the scenarios that I think a lot of us find ourselves in, most of us find ourselves in, I think is, are so normal, but they're super hard too, you know? Yeah. 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 And so play and play therapy, you know, they're two different things, right? Yep. Um, play is, is what kids do at home or, or wherever they're at. And that is super beneficial uh, for kids in so many ways. I mean, it gets their wiggles out. It's, you know, it stimulates important parts of their brain. It aids in human development in so many ways. I mean, there's a ton of articles that talk about the importance of play, you you know, so, but therapeutic play or play therapy is providing a space for kids to work through the things that they're struggling with. And depending on the therapeutic modality, because there's lots of different approaches, it is considered optimal treatment for kids around, you know, age, I would say three to 12 to treat the sort, you know, any type of disorders or, or, you know, concerning symptoms or for whatever might be bringing them to therapy. And, um, that's a very more careful process, I think, 
um, and more constructed, you know, they come to the office and the office is set up in a certain way, you know, and there's certain types of toys, you know, you're not likely to see themes, toys that are based on movies. Like you're not likely to see an Elsa doll in a play therapist's office, though I can see the therapeutic benefit of having a familiar face like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyways, all that to say the office looks different too. Right. And it's, and it's, you know, there's, there's research behind that and, and it's very purposeful and there's, there's, um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of space, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. So, so through play, essentially, play therapy is just a a tool for kids to com- to communicate through play, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a quote that I love, and it's by Gary Landreth, and he's he's a Texan, <laughs> but it's uh uh he's like the he's like the dad of of um of non directive play therapy because there's like I said there's many different modalities, but he says, uh, toys are children's words and play is their language. And that is a super powerful way to look at it for me because it it really truly is. Once they get in the room, a lot of times, you know, once they become used to their, the environment of the play therapy room, they really do get to work. And by work, I mean, they just start to play. And, and that is depending on the, on the modality. I, I said, um, I, I'll just, I can talk about two different kinds if you'd like to hear about it. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, this <laughs> okay. is fascinating stuff. Okay, so there's, there's what's called non-directive play therapy and directive play therapy. And there's other, there's, there's all kinds of other types too. There's filial therapy. There's, I mean, I could, you know, but the two types that I'll focus on today is the non-directive and the directive play. So non-directive, which is what Gary Landreth is all about, is really just letting a child work through the experiences that they're having or whatever's bringing them to therapy with as little intervention from the therapist as possible. And so that there's a lot of training involved in that um, because we have to unlearn a lot of things as people, really. And so the therapist is very active in the playroom, but they're not directing a child towards an activity. Mm-hmm. They are more so describing the play to the child, reflecting on the play to the child, things like that, and creating a space for the child to resolve the, the thing that's bringing them to therapy kind of on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's based on this idea of resilience and that we have the skills that we, that we need to solve a problem are kind of in within us. And we just, they just need, we just need the space to be able to work through it. So with, with the non-directive, it's more or less the observational therapy in a way. Yeah. So for example, if a kid comes in and they walk straight to the dollhouse and start grabbing dolls and putting together, you know, putting a family together, I might say something like, well, you knew exactly what you wanted to do when you came in here today. Um, or, you know, now you're putting the dolls in. So there's a lot of tracking. And then if I notice something that maybe I want to point out, like um, I noticed that the dad is by himself when you, when you put him in the play in the dollhouse or, or something like that. I might say something like, it just kind of depends on what's going on or, you know, and maybe I'll say something like that if, if, if I feel like it's important. So, you know, we're noticing things, right? But I'm not saying like, why is the dad by himself? Why, why doesn't he want to play with the other kids? You know, like what, you know, things I, w- I wouldn't say anything like that. So it's very, 
it is observational in that way, but you're also kind of, you are noticing things that, that the kid is doing. You can notice it out loud. And you're not really leading them down that path of anywhere to go. They are just on their way themselves and, and directing it the way they want to direct it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the, and the level of um, involvement that a therapist has, I think de- just depends on the therapist. I think you can talk to some who would say, I don't do it at all, you know, and then some who would say, you know, it's, it's okay to do it every once in a while, if, if it feels pertinent, mm-hmm. especially if a child is, is what, what we call stuck in a, in a play. So they come for two months and, and this kid's been playing out the same scenario in a dollhouse and there's no resolution. The same thing kind of happens over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. That kind of tells us that, that there's a problem that they're working through that's that they don't really know how to resolve it or they're stuck in that process. So then we might say something like, I wonder how dad would feel if he was with the other, with the family or something like that. Or I wonder what would happen if dad was eating dinner with the family this time, you know, something like that. And then reflect what's what happens then, because you know a lot could happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. And then and so and then you were saying, obviously, on the other hand, you've got then directional play therapy as well. Yes, so that requires or, or involves a lot more participation by the not participation, but that's not the right word, but just more directives by the therapist. So I'll just stick with the dollhouse. Maybe we'll go in and I'll say. Today, you're going to show me with the dollhouse where what everyone does when they get home from school. And then I can say, oh, you know, um, I noticed dad is by himself or what, you know, and, 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 and there's just a lot more interaction with the therapist and maybe even more solution discussions, mm-hmm. you know. So, oh, I wonder what, you know, what would happen if the kids invited dad for dinner or mom invited dad for dinner, or if that would be helpful or, oh, I wonder if that's something that could be done at home or, you know, is this what happened? You know, you know, things like that. And so just a lot more direction and and structure and therapy, which actually I found as I've been doing this more, I think parents kind of like it a little bit better because um, when kids come out of non-directive play therapy, at least in my experience, they'll tell their parents, oh, we just played all day. Or all session, you know, the parents like, what the heck is that about? I I find that parents have a a harder time wrapping their head around the effectiveness of therapy when it's Mm non-directive. It also, it also takes longer. Um, And, you know, that's not something that people are super jazzed about these days. You know, um, I think people are more, more interested in getting, you know, faster solutions. So sometimes directive might be more appealing to people these days, at least in my experience, that's what's been happening. So I, I kind of try to do a mishmash of both. And I don't know, purists might hate me for that. But I do think that non-directive is very helpful, helpful from a diagnostic perspective, to be able to see a child work through what how they, um, or, you know, how they view the their experiences, you know. And so I, um, I kind of like having the first several sessions where I can just let the child be the child and, and, and then see where we could go from there and then kind of introducing activities into the session a little bit later. And so that's kind of been, that's been an approach that I like the most. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause I mean, and you've got an even balance of things and you've, you've, you've got more tools, so, so to speak, to be able to work with. I understand that in therapy, you know, you're going to have your purists and that sort of thing. But I think if you can take 
tools from here and tools from here and tools from here and bring it all together. As long as it's effective, why not? Yeah. And, you know, therapy for me, I believe, is, is prescriptive, meaning I can't use the same approach for everybody. It's just not like that. You, you have to take into consideration who your client is and what their experience, what their experience is and, and what their struggle is. And, and so if, if, for me, if I do that, there's just, there's just no way, there's no one way to, to, to help a person really, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you do get your kids who thrive in an environment where they can, where they sit down and just want to do worksheets, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you ask them to go play, it's something that feels a little foreign to them. And then you've got their kids who would go crazy in a, in a playroom for months and months and months. This is where they thrive, you know, or not go crazy, but you know what I mean? They would love it. They would. Yeah. Thrive yeah. In that's it. right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So it just, it really does depend for me on, on a lot of factors. Yeah. Cool. So tell me then what are some tools and what are some cues that parents can learn to pick up in order to better communicate with their kids through play? So one thing I, I want to emphasize is, is letting them play. I think one great thing about Bluey, going back to Bluey, yep. is that the parents, if, if Bingo and Bluey told their parents that they, you know, if they went up to them and they said, you're a robot, what would they do? They would drop everything and be robots, you know? If, if, if Bluey came up to him and, and gave him an apple and said, this is an orange, he'd be like, okay, you know, it, maybe it's an orange today. And I, I think that that's one thing that the, the parents are spot on in that show is that they really share the world with their kids. Kids, it's an adult world and kids are really along for the ride in so many instances. And so what I really love about Bluey and what I encourage parents to do is just take that time to live in the world of your child. And I think when you do things like that, you're not only strengthening your bond with your child, Mm -hmm. but you're also learning a lot about them. And, you know, if you, if, if you approach play with curiosity, as opposed to, you know, imposing yourself into it, it, it's just a very different experience. And so I definitely um, encourage that of just like, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? You, you, you tell me, you know what I mean? And save your ideas for a different time. That's, that's something I have learned. Yeah. Is, is that I've, I have found that when I go to sit down with my son, for example, to play with him, I will find myself, he'll be putting say monster trucks here, 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 and here. And I'll say, well, I think it would work better if you did it this way. See, look at Mm -hmm. that. Now they're going down the track easier. And I'm not thinking that that's not what he was trying to do in the first place. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so it's a case of having to remove myself and go, okay, hang on. What are you trying to do? What's the, what, what is the game? What are the rules of the game and how does your game work? And then just working by his rules, you know? Yeah, it's it's um it's just this idea of wearing many hats and knowing when to be a parent and like when to be the, the instructional parent. I mean, we're always parents, but right, but like 
to when to be the instructional parent, the, the teacher for them, right? And and when to be the the parent that's just enjoying time with them and letting them kind of take charge because they have no, they really don't have a lot of opportunities to be in charge. No. And and one of the easiest times to put them in charge is during play. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a safe place for them. I mean, not a whole lot can go wrong. And, and that's, I think another question I get sometimes is, you know, when to step in because kids will go there. They will, they will, you know, this, you know, now you're dead, right? Like, you know, bang, bang, I killed yep. you or, or, or we're playing dolls and, and he killed him and, or something like that. And, and we can get very uncomfortable with heavy stuff that our kids bring to the table. Yep. And so I think that's another question I've had is, is, is when do I interfere with that kind of stuff? Mm. And for me, I, the way I see it is that intense events like death, for example, they do not hold the same meaning to kids as they do to us. We have lived, you know, way longer than they have. And we have accumulated way more information and knowledge about things like that mm-hmm. or lack of knowledge when it comes to death. But, you know, there, there's our understanding of it or lack of understanding of it, you know, is, is way more extensive than theirs. And they don't, they just don't have the same, like, know-how of what it is. And, and even at certain ages, kids think death is temporary. Kids think death is reversible. It's just a very different concept to them, which is why there's an episode on the podcast where Karen and I talk about the Lion King um, and how Simba's dad dying actually feels a lot more traumatizing for adults than it does for the kids. And so when we were watching the Lion King, we're like, holy crap, this like kid is curled up next to his dead dad. And like, this is so traumatizing. And our kids are like, when's Timon and Pumbaa coming on? Like, we know what's next. The cool, you know, the fun oasis is coming up, you know, and we're sitting there like, is my kid okay right now? So anyways, all that to say, like, I think it's okay to let them lead in that way as well. Like if they tell you, you know, now you're dead and just lay down and play dead, they're going to come wake you up in, in a couple minutes anyways. And, and the play is going to be over, you know, um, I think the time you might keep an eye on is if the play is, you know, gory, violent death, right? So just, you know, if it's outside of their developmental appropriateness, right? Um, We know the difference between like, bang, bang, you're dead. And then I'm going to give you very descriptive, violent information about how you died. I mean, there's a big difference there, right? And then you might start asking some questions of like, where did you get that information? Or if it's like over-sexual, you know, in nature. But I think if it's just things like that, Otherwise, I think it's fine. And the less interference, the better, I would say. Yep, yep. And again, I think a lot of that, a lot of that influence as well does come back to what we let our children watch as well. You know, I mean, my son comes to me with some vocabulary that I've not actively taught him or he'll come to me with some other concept and I'll, I'll be like, where did you get that? And like, Oh, you know, I was watching it on YouTube. It was this show. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's fine. And so that's, that's where I'm like, okay, well, I didn't know he'd learned that. So maybe I need to be keeping a closer eye on what's it, what he's watching. Because like, yeah. like you said earlier, back when we were kids, like kids' shows were problematic. And if I look back at it now, a lot of those shows that we did watch were made for merchandising, not for education. 
And so, you know, we had stuff like Thundercats and He-Man, She-Ra, you know, and I mean, a lot of that was like over-sexualized as well. I, I didn't realize as a kid, like what that was. And now as an adult, obviously have a better idea of it. So as a parent, rather than having stuff like that, of course, I still share shows like He-Man or Thundercats because right. it's, it's it's almost like a cult classic, you know, they were the good old days. Nate, you're going to be happy to know that we are soon going to review She-Ra. Oh, that'll be awesome. The new. Have you seen the new one? Uh, no, I haven't caught up with the new okay. one yet. No. Beside the point. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're okay. But um, yeah, no. So what I'm saying though is, uh, I think it's good because I could see I could see these problematic issues now, and and so yeah, I can sort of be more disturb more discerning of what he's watching, and mm-hmm. so then I'm not having those issues like you said of the the overly descriptive things that they don't need to be learning about just yet. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, there there is more accountability that is being placed on on people on the companies that are are producing the kids content these days, mm-hmm. but they still do have access to these older shows and YouTube. I hate YouTube for kids especially. I am so with you on on everything you said when it comes to YouTube. It's just it's just ugh. um but yeah, it's 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 still there um and and you know, what one parent views as appropriate might not be the same for another parent. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's just something to be mindful of. Absolutely. Look, don't get me wrong. I think YouTube can be a great tool. You know, there are, there are some channels that my son will watch where he'll be learning about science and engineering, or he'll be learning about construction, or he's, He's, he's absorbing some useful information, you know. But then again, on the other hand, you do have that crap like Ryan's world, which is just like cotton candy for the brain and just rots it from the inside out, you know. Well, speaking of selling toys and merchandise, I mean, isn't that where he got his start? That's right. And, and he's making like 30 million a year now, you know. Ooh, oh, my gosh. Um, and, and again, through that show, I found it problematic because I've heard from other fathers, their kids have like, hey, dad, let's go play. And it's like, well, I can't right now. I'm busy. Oh, but Ryan's mum and dad. I was like, OK, that's fine. But Ryan's mum and dad are being paid to play with him. And there's probably days that Ryan doesn't want to play, but his parents are telling him, oh, no, you have to because this is how we make our money. And so it's getting across to the kid that, hey, mate, this is Ryan's not living the dream life. He is being forced to play with these toys for money, mate. Yeah, this isn't real. It's, I mean, that's really what it, I mean, this is, it is also manufactured entertainment that is coming off as just simple playtime, but there's a lot of structure that goes into this kind of stuff, but it is presented in a way that seems more organic than, you know, some of the other shows that you would see on like Netflix or whatever. And so I think it does, it's like a trick of the brain where they think, oh, this is like really happening. And this is what it, you know, could and should be like for me and my family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Laura, it's been great talking with you today, mate. And I've, I've learned a lot. I really have. But before, oh, before we move on, 
and uh, we wrap things up. Can you tell everybody where they can find your podcast and like what you've got coming up, that sort of thing, and just give it a bit of a plug? Absolutely. So you can find us. We try to be fairly uniform. So the podcast is called Should They Watch It? And we are on almost all available streaming platforms. The Instagram is Should They Watch It? The Facebook is Should They Watch It? And the website is shouldtheywatchit.com. We didn't want to confuse anyone. Nice so and easy. We just made nice and straight and easy, uh, usually without the question mark. You could probably find us and you don't have to have that question mark at the end. Okay. What are we doing? I, we're recording for Shira, and then we are also going to have a couple of guests. So Kara has a voice actor friend who's going to come and review with us. And then I have a, a friend who has a, pod, a mom podcast of her own, and we're going to we're going to talk about uh, a show with, with them. They're going to pick the, they're going to pick the show and we're oh, going to cool. review it with them. Yes. Yeah, so, fun. Yes. We have a lot of things, uh, you know, we have a lot of things in the, what do they call it on the, I don't know, on the way. <laughs> I can't think of the, the turn of phrase for it, but yeah. yeah a lot, so a lot, a lot of stuff coming in the pipeline. Pipeline. That's what it was. So that's from right, your you microphone to your listeners ear holes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so anyone, you know, anyone take a listen. We're pretty silly. Um, we try to have a good time with it and, 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 you know, not be too serious all the time, but, you know, it really just depends on what we're listening to, but we have a good time. So hopefully, you know, anyone who is listening wants to hear it, will enjoy it. Yeah. Well, look, I've, I'm going to, I urge everybody to check it out because I think it's a great show. It's a great idea. It's fun. It's easy to listen to. And you come out the other end thinking, of, of maybe, hey, look, I didn't realise this was in this show or, you know, and, and you can learn a lot more and, and, and support the kids better. So I think it's great what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you inviting me onto your podcast. Thank you for being here and it's thank very, you for your time. Yeah, it's a very important. I love, I love your mission. Yeah, man, I just want to connect dads. That's all it yeah. is. You know? It's just about connecting dads because uh, totally. it's really easy to lose that connection between mums have those connections, you know, but dads don't uh, tend to. Quite often you'll hear hear about, you know, oh, dad doesn't have many friends or dad doesn't go out or whatever. So that's all it is about having those conversations and bringing dads together. So thank you. I appreciate it. Love that. Love that, Nate. Oh, Laura, thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to find out more about today's guest, just check out the links in the show notes. You can follow the podcast as well on social media at Not So Secret Dads Business or on our website, notsosecretdadsbusiness.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review the show. It helps more than you realize. Until next time, guys, be the best dad you can be.